Hello and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. This is the third episode in a new series I'm trying out where I give advice that no one asked for by topic for each Enneagram type. Today, we're covering the topic of self-care with our dear type sevens. I'll cover what life can look like for you with and without self-care, what you may do to sabotage your self-care, and a few practical tips for infusing more self-care into your life. I always feel like I'm harsher on the sevens only because I'm a seven, so take that with a grain of salt. Sorry. I don't really know that this is going to be harsh at all, but I feel like I should always warn sevens like... I'm a seven too. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, So let's talk about what it looks like for us when we're not taking care of ourselves. So when self-care gets neglected for sevens, a few things can happen. Number one, we may start ignoring our responsibilities or kind of escapism might come into play. So what this can look like is actually, I'm just not going to do that thing. I'm going to go to Europe instead. An example from my own life, when I was in college, I was working full-time at a coffee shop and I was in school full-time. My coffee shop job was getting more and more intense. He was understaffing and over-scheduling. So I was working crazy hours. I was working alone, which meant that if we were busy, I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't eat. And then I would finish work. I would have to go do my schoolwork. And it was just really intense. And instead of communicating or setting a boundary, communicating my needs, taking care of myself, you know, just going to the bathroom instead of holding it, I would, you know, you can write a note and say, I'll be back in five minutes. Like, For whatever reason, I didn't do that. Instead, I just quit on the spot one day. There was this Apple Festival in Hendersonville, North Carolina. All of my friends were going. I felt like I was missing out. I had to work. I tried to call off work and they said no. And so I was like, actually, you know what? I quit. And that is what it can look like for a seven when we're not taking care of ourselves. When we kind of all season long, don't pay attention to our energy levels. We don't set boundaries. We don't take care of ourselves. Then one day we might just be done. The second thing is living for the future. As many of you know, I'm going through kind of an intense season of grief right now. And I was telling my husband yesterday, like I can tell when I'm not letting myself feel my feelings because I start to think about the future. We have our anniversary trip coming up next week. And when I'm trying to not be present with my emotions, I will start to make lists of things that we can do on our trip. I think about buying things on Amazon that we might want for the trip, or I watch YouTube videos about what other people would do. You know, we're renting a cabin in the woods, so we're like full on social distancing. So I'm like watching all of these social distance vacation videos And that's kind of where my brain goes. When I want to escape my feelings, I kind of think about something exciting that's going to happen later. The third thing that we might do is we might not sit still. Again, that discomfort with sitting with our negative emotions means that we might find ourselves getting really, really busy all of a sudden. So if we're neglecting our self-care, it's a good indicator um, that that's happening when we start to find ourselves all of a sudden very, very overscheduled. 
or we feel like we can't just watch a movie. We have to watch a movie and paint, or we have to, we can't just listen to a podcast. We have to listen to a podcast while deep cleaning our stove or whatever it is, you know, this, this inability to, to be still or to do just one thing at a time that can be an indicator that maybe you aren't letting yourself feel the things that you need to feel. And finally, a big indicator that you need self-care is that move that we can do to the lower side of type one. For a lot of type sevens, this can look like it being kind of consistently irritable Um, It can look like black and white thinking, kind of judgmentalism. It can look like looking at what other people could be doing better. Or it can become, for different types of sevens, it can be kind of an uncharacteristically perfectionistic tendency where you're like, I am not living up to my own standards or I like to have things a certain way and we should do things the right way, not the wrong way, that kind of good or bad, right or wrong thinking is it is a sign that you're not tending to yourself. You're not getting the self-care that you need. I have a running joke in my household, and I think I've talked to you guys about this before, but when I start to really, really care where the mustard is in the fridge, I need to tend to myself. Like that's a that's a sign when my husband's behavior starts to feel like like when he's doing his own thing in his own way minding his own business. And I have a feeling about that, like, that's good information that I'm likely ignoring my own needs. Recently, I had a situation like this, where, you know, I'm going through a lot right now. And I had, you know, stomach cramps, I was on my my cycle. And my husband was cooking dinner that night, which like, amazing, right? Like I have like this partner who loves me and picks up the slack. Like not that dinner's my thing, but we usually alternate. It was my night to cook dinner. And he had kind of, without me even asking, offered to do dinner for me. So sweet. He like saw a need. He met that need. Lovely. But for whatever reason, like he was taking a long time and I was feeling irritable and kind of annoyed by that nice thing he was doing for me because he wasn't doing it in the way that I wished he was doing it. And normally what I would have done is said like, when are you going to start dinner? Or it feels like you're not starting or I'll just cook dinner. Um, and this time instead I was like, Oh, you're bothered by this because there's something you're not giving yourself right now. Like what is it that you're denying yourself in this moment that you could be doing instead? I realized like, oh, I'm in pain. I have like stomach cramps. I should just go lay down and let myself be in pain and a little bit sad. But I'm often kind of like feel like I need to be in the middle of the action. I feel like I need to be having fun all the time or I need to be present with the fun if it's happening. And so I was trying to be in the room where everyone else was. But really, I, I wanted to be in, I needed to be in bed just resting. And the longer that he was taking to make dinner, the longer I knew it would be before I would get my needs met. And that can create a lot of irritability in a seven. Like we like getting our needs met. And so I instead was like, oh, I'm just going to go lay down. And then surprise, surprise, the irritability was gone. And I was like, take your time cooking dinner. Like I'm, I'm getting the rest that I needed. So that's what it can look like without self-care. Now with self-care, here's kind of an indicator that you are 
giving yourself the care that you need. First, you slow down enough to tend to your responsibilities, right? Like you aren't so busy that things fall through the cracks. You are able to implement regular tending to the boring tasks of running a life. You know, you're budgeting, you are saving money, you are, you know, you're taking care of your like forms that you have to fill out, all of this kind of like really boring, mundane, slow stuff is getting tended to because your life is slowed down enough to where it's not, it's not getting pushed to the side. Second, you have integrated self-care. So a big exit isn't required. Like we talked about earlier with me quitting my job on the spot, like that kind of behavior, this like escapism thing happens when we don't communicate. And I think for sevens, we don't, I, my guess is that we don't communicate because we like to see the bright side of things. And so in friendships and jobs in, you know, think projects or hobbies, things that we've taken on, we see the bright side of those things for a long time until one day we're like, wait a second, (laughs) we start to see the negative. And so an example of this is like a friendship that you have for years and years and years, and you're seeing the bright side, you're making the most of it, you're looking out, you're thinking optimistically. And so when things happen, when boundaries get crossed, or maybe they're not rooting for you, you know, like they're, they're kind of just not a good friend, but the whole time you're like, well, it's okay because like, I'm still happy or you make excuses and you enjoy the fun that you're having with that person until something just cracks. And usually for me in a relationship, it cracks when like, They're asking for more than I can give. That's the moment normally where I'm like, wait a second, because I'm aware that um, I don't want to give because I'm not actually receiving, but I've been kind of sugarcoating it this whole time. And I say that to say, um, if you can more often set the correct boundaries, advocate for yourself, you know, take time off rest, you know, tend to the the difficult parts of enjoying the things in your life, the people, the hobbies, the jobs, you know, if you do the hard stuff a little bit along the way, then there's not like a need for a giant big exit, right? Like you either are making it obvious that this isn't a good relationship or a good fit, or you're, you're fine tuning it into a good fit you know, over time, or there's not like this big ball of stress that gets thrown at you because you're ignoring your responsibilities. And then boom, you have something really big to take care of. And, you know, I'm just going to peace out instead. Like that isn't necessary, right? Because you're regularly tending to things. The third is presence. When you have self-care in your life, you're present. We love the future. Sevens love the future. We love thinking about the good things that are coming down the road. That is like the best, that is a good feeling. I know it. I can like tap into it right now and it feels good. But there is something deeper, something more lasting and more meaningful in the present moment. When we can be content in the present moment, that is where the good stuff is. I can remember the first time that I ever went to Paris, I was standing in front of the Eiffel Tower 
the person I was traveling with was standing there and, and this person was looking at the Eiffel Tower and was just like, wow, like we've seen pictures of this our entire lives. And like right now we're here, we're in front of it. And I looked at it for a second and then looked over at that person was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have so much fun on the next trip that we go on. And I started talking about the trip that we had planned next. That's how, like, that's how I was living, right? It was just like, what's next? Like, okay, we check, did it, saw the Eiffel Tower, moving on. Instead of actually like being there, feeling it, letting myself absorb the joy in that moment, I was like on to the next thing. And the joy of thinking about something versus the joy of experiencing it is so different. And when we're thinking about sharing our lives with other people, people want to know that we're with them in that moment, experiencing the joy that we can so easily experience when we're thinking about possibility. When we can experience that with the people in our lives in the present moment, doing the things that we're actually doing, like that is a really good sign that we are tending to ourselves, that we're treating ourselves well. That is like healthy seven behavior. Number four, you can live into the high side of your type structure. So like we talked about with the presence practice, it's the same thing. It's like being grateful for what is here is the high side of type seven. So I don't want you to think that healing as a seven means not being optimistic. That's not true. It's just being optimistic about what actually exists, you know, tuning all of that positive energy, all of that possibility and bringing it into here and now. And we, we're putting it into the future. We're neglecting our life, right? We're, we're living our lives 10 steps ahead. And then everything that's here in this moment gets kind of pushed away, but healthy, happy sevens, like really doing the work sevens are looking at what's right here in this moment. And being grateful for what is and the good, the bad, the hard, and all of that messy in between. So let's talk about, we know, okay, we know what we look like without self-care. We know what we look like with self-care. So let's talk about the sneaky little ways that we accidentally sabotage our self-care. So first is choosing more over less. Type sevens, we we like more, and, and I hate the word gluttony as a descriptor for type sevens on a multiple levels. One, I just think it's a gross word to say, but two, I think it is kind of indicative of fat shamey, body shamey diet culture, which I'm not a big fan of, but also it's not accurate. Like the idea of gluttony in the word sounds like it means just lots of something. I want to just keep going and of lots of one thing. And it's not as much like that. And I, and I think that's the distinction between lust and gluttony between the seven and the eight is eights are like lots of one thing, like too much of one thing. And, and sevens are like lots of everything. I just want a taste of everything. And I think a superficial example of this as a seven is like if I'm ordering takeout from a menu, I'm going to have a hard time picking just one meal. I'm going to want to pick like four or five different items and just eat a little bit, maybe make that last for the whole week, you know, and just have like a little bit of taste of everything. That's kind of the, the symptom. And so as a seven, a lot of our work is focusing on choosing less 
than more. And that that can mean less friendships that are deeper, owning less things, but buying things that are more, that are better quality. Um, It can mean doing less projects, but going all in on the ones that we do, having less hobbies, but really investing our time and attention and improving at those things. So the first way that type sevens sabotage self-care is choosing more over less. The second thing is staying busy. When we can't sit with our negative emotions, when we can't sit with the present moment, then it's really um, tempting and exciting to consider just filling all of your time with all of the interesting things, right? Like I, I can like remember, I used to wake up bright and early in the morning. I would leave my house and then I wouldn't come home until like midnight. And I would just have plan after plan after plan, just doing all the things I would go. I remember going to like five Halloween parties in one night because I didn't want to miss out on any of them. And so just trying to do everything and that can leave you so busy that you don't have time to actually tend to yourself at all. Not to even think your thoughts, feel your feelings, experience what it feels like to just be you because you're so focused on experiencing things. I remember it used to feel like this like pulsating, like what if the, you know, fun happens without me? What if, what if I miss out on the one really awesome thing? I used to pull all nighters in college just out of fear of missing out. Like just out of FOMO, I would stay up all night long, hoping that no one would have a good time without me. Like if anyone was pulling an all nighter, like I was going to be there. Guess what that did? It wrecked me. You know, it made it harder for me to do well in school. It made it harder for me to, to feel rested. I would fall asleep in class because I wasn't sleeping because I was so scared of not having fun. And when we do that, we we really sabotage ourselves. The third thing is confusing excitement for self-care. So thinking that fun is the same thing as self-care. And when I'm talking self-care, you guys know I'm not talking about bubble baths and face masks as much as those are wonderful. I'm more talking about like actually nurturing yourself, actually like listening to yourself, listening to your body. I like to break it down to like heart, mind, body, soul, and really making sure each of those are like nourished every single day. And When we think that excitement can replace that, it's just inaccurate, right? Excitement can be fun. Excitement is nice, but it cannot replace self-care. Self-care requires boundaries. It requires just general slowing down and listening to what our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our souls have to tell us about what we need and then giving ourselves what we need. So, When we're staying so entertained all the time, knowing what we need is nearly impossible. And oftentimes that excitement is an expense to our actual care, right? Like we talked about staying busy, looking for more over less, that can actually deplete us. And if we're not intentionally replenishing, then our excitement definitely is, it's actually the opposite of self-care. Sometimes excitement can be self-care, but it has to be more intentional than just kind of like a compulsion that we're trying to meet. 
Number four is not processing our emotions. This is more detrimental than we can really even realize, right? It, not processing our emotions not only impacts us emotionally, but it impacts impacts us in terms of our stress. We become more stressed than we even know that we are because our emotions, our body holds what we're not processing. Like it's getting processed with or without us. And when we try to do it in our mind, we create anxiety. We try to do it you know, when we try to ignore it, our body starts to collect that stress for us. You know, we start to have weird ailments or illnesses that don't make sense because our body, whether we like it or not, is holding that with us and is experiencing the stress. And the more we ignore it, the more our body's having to take on and the harder it has to work. So when we can really just sit with our negative emotions, deal with our feelings, then our body can have a safer place to land. And so a lot of times the struggle, and I'll speak for myself, the struggle for me is often that I don't even know I need to. I'm like, I'm feeling great. You know, I'm going through a really unique form of trauma right now that I sometimes don't even know how to feel. Like I have to intentionally be like, what am I feeling? Like I am sad, but why? You know, I, I have to really stop and, and try to understand what makes me sad. And a lot of times my, my sevens will say, yeah, but like, fine. I don't really actually have any sadness. Like I know you say that we need to tap into our sadness, but I, when I try to, I don't really have anything to tap into. And I want to challenge every seven who feels that way to listen to a really sad song or watch a really sad movie and tell me that it did not make you cry. Tell me that it did not make you feel your actual feelings because that is like, to me, the ticket in, like if I can't feel my feelings, if I can't tap into my emotions, if I can watch a movie about someone else feeling pain, then I'm more easily able to recognize the sadness that I'm carrying that I didn't even know I had. Like there have been times where I will be like having the best time of my life. And my husband, he one time like looked over at me and was like, how are you processing? How are you dealing with like your the death of your grandpa? And I would just start sobbing because it's like, I'm not, I clearly haven't done anything. It's just, and it's just there. It's just below the surface, but I'm ignoring it so effectively that I don't even realize that I need to deal with it. So we have to intentionally process our emotions, deal with our sadness, deal with our darkness. So these are the ways that we sabotage our self-care. So let's talk about ways that we can bring more self-care in. Number one is really getting into your body, letting yourself connect and slow down to your body. I think yoga is my favorite way to do this. A slow yoga is like even better. In even something like yoga nidra that is like a meditative yoga, it's not really yoga. You're laying on the ground the whole time and you're thinking about different parts of your body. Getting into your body is going to help you so much from kind of connecting that space between your head and your heart. Type sevens have a really intense disconnect between with their heart center, like their heart space and getting into your body is going to really help you to access those emotions. A question that my husband asked me one time that helped me a ton is where do you feel that in your body? 
And that helped me to jump from what I thought I was feeling deeper into what's actually going on. And so we can ask ourselves that question, where do I feel this in my body? Or just intentionally slowing down and being present in your body. Number two is practicing intentional limitations. A lot of type sevens, when they move into higher levels of health, will start to get into minimalism. Maybe some even get into veganism. Some, uh, this whole like quarantine situation, like staying at home. I've met a lot of sevens who are thriving in, in quarantine. And I, I really took to it well at first, you know, it's getting harder as time goes on, but it has been one of the more nourishing times of my life because I had done so much growth work getting to this point that staying at home was kind of like a big, like strong, like deepening into this embracing of limitation, embracing of slowing down, embracing of stillness. If you had asked me to do that in college, I would have freaked out, right? Like less self-aware, less having like done the work, Um, version of me would have had a really hard time with this. But as I've grown and as I've developed, then these intentional limitations actually make me feel much more cared for by myself in the long run. You know, I do a lot of limitations. Like I limit, I don't have a ton of friends anymore. I used to kind of collect acquaintances and I don't do that as much anymore. I still enjoy acquaintances, but I just don't call everyone my best friend like I used to when I was younger. And, you know, I'm much more minimal. I'm much more, we don't eat a ton of meat. We eat some meat, but we don't eat a ton of meat. We limit a lot of stuff in our life. And those limitations have shown me more options within smaller scopes, if that makes sense. So I think a great, a great one is, you know, we went vegetarian, full vegetarian for about a year. And I've done that a lot of times in my life vegetarianism is something that I'm always really drawn to, but maybe we need to do like a whole behind the curtain episode on like food stuff and like restrictive eating kind of stuff. But, um, I, I'm very cautious with my diet and try to be very open and not restrictive because of my past, but I am very drawn to vegetarianism and that limitation feels expansive to me because, when I limit that, I start to see all of the different kinds of unique vegetables that I haven't been exploring. And it's like opens up a whole new world um, versus when I let myself eat whatever, then I didn't explore as much, if that makes sense. So embracing intentional limitations is, a, is intentional, is a really good way to infuse self-care as a seven. Number three is go through a season of saying no. I tell twos to do this as well, but for a different reason. Type twos need to do it because they want people to be happy with them. Um, And type nines too, honestly. I mean, we probably all could benefit from a season of no for different reasons. But the reason sevens need to benefit from a season of no is that we love to say yes, but we also are quick to say, oh, but never mind. And so some of our work in life is to make sure that our yes is a yes and our no is a no and that we're not muddying those waters. And a season of no can really help to build that muscle. The other reason a season of no is beneficial is because you can see what you really want to be doing with your time and your energy and what you actually need in terms of rest when you intentionally limit what you're agreeing to. This muscle 
of doing, of saying yes, of busying yourself, of keeping busy, of planning for the future. All of this is so built that to undo it, to slow down, to intentionally say yes only to the things that light you up, you might have to go to the other extreme for a while. You might have to really go into the no zone so that you can build the no muscle so that you can say yes only to the right things and no to the right things. Number four is add responsibility in on purpose. So make sure that every like responsibility in your life has a home in your schedule. So for me, every Monday in my life is admin day. Like I do all of the boring business things that I have to do that I don't want to do. I have, you know, I pay payroll. I do any kind of tax related thing. I do any kind of bookkeeping, all of the boring things, all of the things that I just like don't want to do contracts, invoices, you know, filling out forms, all of that's on Monday. So it has a home in my schedule on purpose. And same thing for my life life, like all of my like things that I have to do at home happen on Saturday. The big responsibility things that I don't want to do throughout the week happen on Saturday. So both of them have their homes and they're going to get done. And so then throughout the week, I can just enjoy myself and be playful and spontaneous and all of that. And I still know that everything that needs to get done will get done. And that helps me to enjoy myself more in the long run. Finally, the way to infuse more self-care in is an intentional presence practice. The art of being present with what is here and now and the good in that instead of what is coming up in the future. And I actually am not even going to say what is good in the present moment because part of our work as sevens and part of our self-care as sevens is getting comfortable with what's not good in a present moment and letting that be good. So being able to say like, right now I'm sad and that is good because I'm human. You know, I get to feel alive. That is just as important as I like the sunrise in this moment, you know, being present with both the good and the bad um, is helpful. A couple of presence practices that I really enjoy. Um, one, obviously meditation is a game changer for all of us, but I think especially for sevens. Um, two is your five senses. So what do I see, smell, taste, hear, and feel in this moment? Um, another one that I like that is more of a, it's a kind of a gratitude practice. We've talked about this on the feed before, maybe in the podcast, but is I do a thing called a 10 good things list. I have a full on YouTube video about that, that I'll try to remember to link in the show notes, but I go into detail about, about the 10 good things list, but that's what I do is I just write like 10 good things in this room, 10 good things that are happening right now. And as I am grieving in this season of my life, I'm forcing myself to write a three grief list. So what are three things that I am sad about today? And that has been fascinating because I never feel sad. (laughs) I mean, I do like, I feel sad. Um, like especially this, this heartache right now, like it has been rocking my world. Um, and because I'm trying to feel it all, um, I will just like break down and sob, like full on, like shaking, wailing. Um, I broke a candle holder the other day because I was just like, 
feeling so much. Like I'm not saying that I don't feel the things. And if you follow my other accounts, Sarah Jane Case, you know, like I'm like processing all of this grief stuff there pretty openly, but there's a lot of feelings happening. But in a moment, like if I'm just like sitting here, like I feel happy. Like that's like my natural state of being is just kind of like happy. And so getting below that, like even this morning, like sitting down trying to write my grief list, I was like, wait, do I have anything to write? And then I like stop for a second. And I'm like, what makes me sad? And I'm like, oh, whoa, there's a lot, a lot there. And, and usually for me, it's like, I'm trying not to tap into that, right? Like that, my, my subconscious is like protecting me from feeling those things. And so when I, I start to really think about like, what are the things that I am carrying right now that are a lot Usually type sevens, we're carrying so much more than anyone in our lives could ever know because we're not absorbing the feeling of it. And my husband and I have talked about like with this whole thing, like he's like, oh, I need to talk to you about your feelings more because when I talk to him about what's going on in my life, it's from a very like upbeat place. And so I'll be like, and this is going on and this is going on. And like, this is happening, but like, here's how I'm choosing to think about it. Like, that's the way I describe it. So he doesn't realize how much I'm really carrying alone. And I don't even realize I'm not communicating that to him because I'm talking about it. I'm just, but I'm talking about it from such an emotional distance that he doesn't even know. He doesn't know how intensely it is being cared, how much it is actually weighing on me. So I say that to say, yes, getting into the presence practice, I think the grief list is particularly powerful if we will let ourselves go there. Um, But just know that you might not immediately know what you want to say or what you're grieving. You might have to really get visceral with it and let yourself be in that. Because when you can get into that, it moves faster. It's it feels like taking a bath. Like this emotionality feels like a cleansing. It's just like, I think like our fear is like, we'll get trapped there. In my book, I call it quicksand. Like we think I'm going to sink deeper and I'm going to get suffocated and I'll never get out. But what we actually do is we struggle (laughs) against the feeling. And it's actually the struggle that makes it impossible for us to get out. It makes it last longer. So if we can just dive right in, let ourselves rest into the pain, then we can much more easily step out. So that is my unsolicited advice for you type sevens. I hope that it was helpful and enjoyable. Um, I hope that you aren't mad at me for telling you to feel your sadness, but no, it's good advice. So um, yeah, that's all the stuff. If you want these episodes early, and without ads, and sometimes like my weird unedited pieces, then you might want to join our Patreon community. It's $5 a month. You get a full ad-free episodes, unedited. You get all the all the things there early, as well as an additional podcast every single week that's more intimate behind the scenes. I talk more intimately there than I do anywhere else on the internet. Like I go all in um, about what's going on in my life, what's going on behind the scenes, and also my true thoughts and feelings about the Enneagram and the Enneagram elements and the Enneagram community and, and just kind of unfiltered thoughts are happening over there. So 
If that's of interest to you, it's at patreon.com slash Enneagram and coffee. And as always, if you don't mind, if you haven't yet, leave a rating and review in iTunes. It means a whole lot to podcasters. Um, If you have just a few seconds, pop on over there and do that. It would mean the absolute world to me. So I'll see you in the next episode.